He who fights monsters should look to it that he himself does not become a monster. I am on the unfettered pursuit of truth. I'm Kayla Perry, and this is Honestly Unorthodox. All right, Dylan, we got back yesterday from Savannah. (laughs) Safely, safely. Nobody died. We got back-ish. We got back yesterday from Georgia because we were at the unpopular conference and my poor Dylan, he suffered with me throughout the entire eight hours. So how are you feeling? How did it go? I thought it went well. Um, There were some boring parts, but, you know, life is boring sometimes. Yeah, I think one of the things that I was slightly disappointed in was the nature and the topics for some of the talks. Like they, the entire purpose of the conference was the unpopular conference. And I think all of the talks that were given were very much in line with what's already been given at other ABA conferences. Yeah, I mean... Being an outsider, you know, a lowly um, RBT. (laughs) You're the low man on the totem pole. No, for sure. And you know what? Whatever. It it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, I'm not, it was, there was a lot of information, you know, they wanted us to leave with um, more questions than uh, we came in with. So I absolutely have that. But um, yeah, the information that was, um, given was kind of stuck, uh, for me yeah. in my own personal, um, ideas and like, what? yeah, this makes sense. This is like, why is this a big deal? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I certainly don't think or would expect that people would necessarily talk about affirmative action and racism and black lives matter and, and things like that. So, cause I could understand that we are still, and when I say we, I mean the field, we're still very much afraid of our own shadow, let alone speaking live to people. So in that regard, yes, I didn't expect that people would toughen up to talk about that sort of thing. But again, there was, there was almost minimal mention of everything that happened leading up to the conference. And yeah, I mean, I, it wouldn't, it would be of no use to draw a bunch of attention to it and to continue to harp on it. But it's also very important to talk about as it relates, because all of the things that happened leading up to the conference were primarily um, occurring between professionals yeah. So I would have liked to have seen that maybe discussed a little bit more and called out a little bit more. I think that how you were presenting this um, to me, um, there would have been a lot more of that type of discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Dr. J did an amazing job. How she, yes. her, like her first um, presentation was like set, set, she set the tone um, I think it was charismatic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was extremely professional. And then it went off to stuck. Yeah. And I, you know, you know, sorry. I mean, I obviously have a biased opinion on listening to you. You're my wife. And, you know, we've talked about a lot of things that you brought up, but everything else was like, thank you. Um, but yeah, I don't get it. It was very much the same. Yeah. So, so Jamie was great. I loved her intro. She talked a lot about getting comfortable with silence in conversations, getting comfortable with bringing things to light, helping people communicate regardless of the topic matter. And that would have been such a great way to start a talk and go right into a speech that goes for the jugular. But when the speech, the speeches just kind of turned out to be, here's what leadership is in behavior analysis. Here's what positive reinforcement is. This is how you talk to people using behavior analytic principles. I don't see how that is any different from what other conferences do. And I think what actually surprised me even more 
more so than the lack of anything quote unquote unpopular was that a lot of the audience thought that these talks were kind of revolutionary. And I, I just didn't, including mine, I, I didn't talk about anything revolutionary. That was the thing was I was talking about talking to people and I don't know why as a field we are looking at this as if, Oh my gosh, this is fantastic. I just, I think that's yeah so, strange. And I, I felt as though the, um, the speakers that presented, I mean, obviously much respect. They have a lot more credentials than I do. Um, they're talking on things that are important, obviously to certain people, certain fields. Um, but yeah, I mean, yours in particular, and you went on, I mean, you had to come up with two hours of material mm -hmm. and, I thought like, wow, this is just common sense. Yeah, it to totally me. was common it's, sense. To me. Yeah. But there were people that were, I heard someone come up to you when they first met you, like, I'm intimidated by you. And and I almost kind of like snigger, like, why, why are you intimidated by Kayla? Like, she's just telling you, like, this is, you know, the foundation. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think the feel from everything in the last year and a half of doing this is I don't, I think that people, this must have been the first time that they've ever witnessed anything like this being talked about in person, which is an entirely separate, very, very, very sad case. <laughs> but be, because, okay, should we misinformed. get- Misinformed, how's that? Or like misleading. Like they should, I'm sorry, go ahead. What was I, misleading? Just, I don't get where- these particular individuals were misled to feel like, like what we can't are we, talk about. We can't this? talk about this. This is uncomfortable. Like how how do we contend with this? How do we deal with this? I just don't know where that was missed in their yeah. education in their upbringing. Sorry, I'm just being blunt. Well, societally, with cancel culture, which yeah. is just a dumb term, yeah. but I do think that our field is more extreme in terms of how they think and behave than many other fields. So when I have spoken to psychotherapists and other people in similar fields, so psychologists, psychiatrists, psychotherapists, they, social workers, they say that, yeah, we have similar, uh, you know, infantile behavior going on, but it's not quite as bad as behavior analysis. I think part of that has to do with it's very new, so we feel very entitled and narcissistic and arrogant because we think we're part of this exclusive new wave of therapy. And two, because the requirements are so unbelievably like floor level low, the practitioners are getting younger and younger and younger. And I think this newer wave of 25 to 27, 28 year old behavior analysts are actively destroying the entire field. I guess I'm going to agree with you and I defer to you uh, regarding this, but yeah, I mean, you need experience. Mm -hmm. um, you want to talk about, you know, the development of the frontal lobe and when you actually have some, you know, not necessarily legitimate ideas or solutions, but can you put them together, you know, at the age of 25? I don't think so. I think that's what you were kind of referring to, that this is kind of a younger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I go along with the flow and I've listened. I listened to a lot over the weekend. Mm -hmm. A lot. Eight hours ish worth of a lot. It kept me awake, but it was a lot. Yeah. I, I just... I still am, I guess, stuck on the fact that to me, these conversations are incredibly normal and they shouldn't, they should be, normal. they should be normal. And when I'm having these conversations with people, I don't, my heart rate doesn't rise above 65. I, I don't, I don't know why these are so anxiety producing. And this is a nice segue into the public conversation that was had with myself and another speaker. Right. So 
go ahead and yeah, then I'll give I'm, context. I am going to interrupt you okay. because these conversations and things that people were saying mm-hmm. um, voluntarily, thank God, because that was the whole, the whole point, point of right. your, you know, segment. Mm-hmm. Um, it did create anxiety because for me, and I wore a shirt the night before do you remember what it said? It said, I came, I saw, I had anxiety, so, so I, I left. left. <laughs> so I actually left certain times because it was just making me so, I got so frustrated, I couldn't listen to it. Yeah. It was almost embarrassing mm-hmm. listening to these professionals in this field, you know, not understanding a joke, taking everything seriously, not being able to... Uh, explain themselves. There was yes. one speaker that raised their hand there. I don't know how, I'm not going to say who it was. A hand was raised and then challenged you about something. And for the first like 10 minutes, it was just rhetoric. Circles, I had no, talking it was, in circles. I had no idea what this person was talking about. And it was it led up to everything that you provided as far as like avoidance tactics on how people do not want to communicate. They don't want to listen. That's fine. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to listen, if you don't want to gain knowledge, if you don't want to gain insight, that's fine. There are people that are as arrogant as that. That's how I label them. Then shut the fuck up. Don't say anything. Be quiet. Right. But this went on and on and on, and I had to leave. I know. I was getting. I know, like, and I, I just I stood there. All yep. I don't even think I made one comment. I think all I did was ask this person questions that this person was wholly not even incapable of answering, but she readily she she the, said the, 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 this person the, claimed the, yeah. verbatim, yeah. "I won't answer that." Yeah. And then why bolted. are you here? And then yes, and exactly. And, and then so let's let's right, rewind. Let's go Jesus to the context. So stop. I I'm getting pissed. I Sorry. brought up Daryl Davis. <clears throat> Daryl Davis shaking the hand of a high-ranking KKK member was the title picture on my slide. <laughs> so this projector, how many feet across do you think that projector um, was? Like 30? No, 30. Uh, maybe 15 feet. Ish. Okay, can we say 30 just for dramatic well, you effect? Know, let's just say 200 feet. <laughs> it, it was, was the, the size of a football field. <laughs> of an auditorium. How's okay, that? it was a big as fuck projector screen. Yeah. And I had Daryl Davis with a KKK member. I had multiple pictures of Daryl Davis. For those that are listening, I'm sure either you attended, I'm actually pretty sure a lot of listeners had either attended in person or virtually, but if you haven't, Daryl Davis was a black musician who de-radicalized KKK members by simply talking to them. So he would invite them to see his jazz shows. He would sit down with them. He would ask them questions. He refrained from lecturing them about their white supremacy. He didn't, he didn't even tell them they were wrong. He just wanted to get to know them. And in doing so, over 200 of them handed over their robes and he, Daryl Davis keeps them in his closet just by using these very simple Socratic questioning tactics that I talked about in the very beginning. Now that you were challenged on that, I, which I'm about to get to. Yes. Sorry. So (laughs) this person and again, I'm very thankful that this person actually spoke because one, This person was one person that has has one of the few people that has ever actually addressed me face to face. So hats this off. This person doesn't like you. Oh, very clear. Yeah, very With the clear. Whole you and the people can, can't can, see you, Dylan. I so. know. Can you describe it? Like what I'm doing right now? Can I get? Can I? I guess. Yes. Okay. This person told me, essentially saying. You shouldn't be bringing up Daryl Davis because that's his own story and you don't know the context. And I said, well, I gave you context. I gave you actually all of the context that is necessary for what we're talking about. And if you feel like you need more, you could ask me for more and I will provide it if I have it. And this person said, well, and then she just kept reverting to, well, that's his story. That's his story. You're lifting a story from him. You're borrowing a story. This this is where it got vague, had no idea. 
where this was going. And so then I kind of threw it back to this person and said, okay, so if we're lifting a story from Daryl Davis, clearly that's a problem for you. Should we not use Socratic questioning then because we're lifting it from Socrates? And then to that, this person said, well, now I want to stay on the path of the conversation. So she just completely ignored that statement (laughs) and continued to say things like, well, I'm staying on my path. I don't want to take away from your time, Kayla. I am staying on my path. And that comment made absolutely no sense. I I don't even know what that means. Prove the point of your segment. I talked about red herring fallacies where you purposely deter from the topic with random vague statements. I talked about the intentional use of vague, fuzzy language. What I got from this was it was clearly about race. What this person did not want to say out loud was, Kayla, you're white or you look white, so you shouldn't be talking about Daryl because he's black. Because I guarantee you, if a black person brought up Daryl Davis, I don't think this conversation would have ever come about. Or if I was black, I don't think this conversation would have come out this way. See, and that's your assumption. It is an assumption. Don't. It's yours. Yeah. That's not mine. Okay, what's yours? Mine is um, what what I gathered from it, and I did want to raise my hand, but again, I'm just a lowly RBT that sits back, you know, um, and listens. But it was just an example of constructive conversation. The example was that if you are unfamiliar and you want to get to know or gather more insight. Mm-hmm. You don't have to necessarily change your opinion because you did do that whole thing with like, oh, do you strongly agree? Do you agree? Right. The spectrum test. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't understand the difference between strongly agree and strongly or, or just agree. I think you agree or disagree. That's a different topic. Yeah. Um, but the example was you can talk to anyone about anything constructively if you want to. Don't raise your voice. You mentioned that if mm-hmm. you're screaming, yelling, if you have a prejudice, we're not talking about racism or anything like that. Bigotry. If you have a prejudice, that's so a bias or a preconceived yes, notion. And, and, yeah. then, okay. I get it. People just don't want to know. They they're stuck in their ways and they're, they, they have all right to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was just an example, you know, of, Daryl Davis talking to uh, a KKK member. Right. And that's what the purpose was like, yeah, you can have this conversation. I don't know why this person made it about just this person and the KKK, because I've watched documentaries on Holocaust survivors talking to SS soldiers when in their nineties, yeah, Nazis, Nazis, the other N word that obviously, you know, we have no problem saying Nazi. Right. Exactly. So, Okay, pick and choose your poison. I am queen. Is, I am yeah, you, queen Nazi. Nazi. Yeah, Nazi. Like, <laughs> but we all know what that means. That's derogatory. You right. Know, that you're a racist and you're not, obviously. <clears throat> but you know, my point is, if you want to learn, if you want to gain insight, you have to be able to ask questions and listen. You don't need to agree. Uh, you don't need to change your mind. Mm-hmm. That's education and that's power. And mm-hmm. that makes you stronger as a human being. And you're going to pay that forward. And hopefully you pass it forward. Yeah, I agree. What I, I was, again, I'm very happy that this happened in real time. So people could actually witness what a human conversation looks like. What had me a little bit perplexed was after the, after my talk was done and towards the end of the conference, a ton of people came up to me and said things like, gosh, Kayla, you handled that so well. I was shitting my pants in my seat. I could see everybody's face. Everyone was freaking out. It is sad. How have we gotten to the point that you're not even involved in a conversation and what you're witnessing a very neutral conversation between two adults. And that has you panicked. I can't believe that. I can't believe that me and this speaker or this person talking about a very, again, a very neutral topic like Nazis and communication 
how does that make, how does that give people a heart attack? And if that's the case, are you equipped to actually be working with clients? Do you remember at the beginning of my talk, I said, I would not trust a single behavior analyst to treat me when I was in therapy for an eating disorder. And I would sure as shit not trust a single behavior analyst to treat Connor when he was in rehab. And it's largely because of this. You're not, there's no bravery when it comes to talking face to face. How are you going to talk to a client that could actually talk to you? There's a lot, there was a lot of spite in that conversation Mm -hmm. that you're referring to. Um, There was a lot of anger and it's okay. It's okay to have that. Yeah, I get angry all the time. Yeah, you you brought up. I'm angry you know, right now. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, you're just you're frustrated, and yeah, I mean, I get anxious. Um, you know, I get pissed. Mm-hmm. I think about things. I harbor things, and you know, it's on. That's on me. That's not anybody else's fault. But I. That's why I had to leave. I could not listen to this conversation because you and I have had this type of conversation right a thousand times mm-hmm. and I still do not understand why you are here's the gesture that no one can see why you're a controversy I don't what either what the fuck happened like where are these people yes where where not not where, I know where they are but yeah. where what are they thinking it speaks to the fragility of our field when I am considered this catastrophic, controversial figure. I literally talk, I said this at the end. I am not special. I'm no different from anybody else. We are all equal in this room. I do nothing that should be considered revolutionary or profound. I talk and I speak my mind. And then when I'm lacking information, I read everything I possibly could get my hands on about it so I could better inform what I want to say. That should be a normal routine thing that professionals do. And the fact that we're looking at it as if it's worthy of an entire talk, I don't think I'm worthy of a two hour talk because what I'm saying, I didn't invent this stuff. This is where I get really frustrated. Yeah, well, I mean, I know you're frustrated now, but I went along, I mean, I contended with this stuff, even in the training world, like somebody would come in and I worked with very affluent clients um, that just came in and because they're driving a certain car and they live in a certain neighborhood and, you know, how big their house is, they just thought that they were, you know, better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started, I mean, it's not rocket science. I'm like, you know what, bro, if we both cut our hands right down here, we're going to bleed the same mm-hmm. color. It, it's yeah. And we have to address it the same way. You're, yeah. What do you need? What for, are you looking for? I'm looking for a pen. Sorry. Okay, you can have it. I was trying Thank to cut you. my hand with the pen. The so in. In looking at this conference, and I know what I'm essentially about to ask you is a question that's impossible to answer because none of us can predict the future, believe it or not. It's shocking, I know. Do you think that any of this will have any sort of impact? No. I don't either. (laughs) I hate to be cynical. No, it's a... Well, we talked about this. Um, You get moments of, like, inspiration, Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, this sounds great. This is, you know, I'm going to apply this. This is a fad diet. Yeah. This is Atkins. This is South Beach. This is intermittent fasting. Can I cut you off really quick? Okay. I just want to make it really clear. <laughs> Jamie and the conference are not fad diets. That's not what I think we're no, trying no, no, to no, say. No, 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 no. Like the this things, whole like, idea of, of what you're, us doing yeah, this. Yes, yes, I want to make that really clear yeah, just no, in case Dr. it wasn't. J, okay, no, yeah, Dr. J, we love you yeah, if you're listening. Absolutely. It was fantastic. What, you what showed more bravery than anybody in this what, field. <laughs> what I took from what you were asking me was like, do you think anyone's going to like, yeah. we had individuals come like, oh my God, this is great. And they want you like, how are we going to do this? And mm-hmm. you know, like oh, I was inspired. I put them, I put that thought into that specific individual Fat diet behavior. Yes. Okay. So thank you for clarifying that to me. That was, you know, yeah. Unfortunately, as much as I would like to believe what people were saying leading up to it, which was, this is a huge move for our field. This is a necessary change. It came in perfect timing with the free speech statement put out by the BACB. And I want to believe that that was very much influenced by the 
probably hundreds of complaints that the BACB got about me and the conference, but it's not going to become of anything because I know how people tend to, to act, including myself. I'm not saying I'm excluded from this. Like you said, it's very easy to get inspired. It's very easy to feel almost this high of learning something new, but most people don't do anything with it. They feel like, the high in and of itself is a learning is learning. And they all, sometimes I feel like people believe that they could attend a conference or a CEU and that's enough. This is, this wasn't even the beginning. This wasn't even ground level. I think that the only way for us to even get to ground level is complete reform of the field, because much like academia, I think the only way to turn around what has happened in society is to start something entirely new. Okay. So let me make sure that we all are on the same page. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not with you in us, what we need to do, you know, in our field, you are in your field and I am. We're in the same field. Well, you're in a different spectrum. But unintended. Okay. But yeah. So, but yeah, I just, I do what I say and I give some insight because of my experience, not necessarily in this field, but in experience with life and being able to communicate, mm-hmm. which is void, honestly, I feel in your field, in our field, I guess, mm-hmm. um, asking more questions, uh, but to the right people. Yeah, I think. And actually, this speaker that you were referring to brought that up. And I thought she, she did an amazing job of like, hey, yeah. you're asking the wrong people. There were That's yeah, what I yeah, loved about yeah, the talk. Absolutely. And I, I shared this with other people, too, was I, I almost kind of wish there was a little bit more focus on that because yep. she they really nailed the part in the talk where they were talking about it's not your employer's job to manage your emotional needs. You, it's not the best course of action or strategic to try to bark up the management tree to figure out things for you. You, how did she phrase it? I, I really like the way she phrased it. She said, uh, it's on you to fix the holes internally. Was that it? Like, it's it not was, your job. It's not your job's responsibility to plug the holes that you have. There basically. was nothing that, you know, because being on the, I guess the lower end of, you know, the, the graph or the, the boxes that was presented. Yes. The, yeah, yeah. But there was nothing about a suggestion Mm -hmm. on how we can not fix it, but how we can better it. It was just like, this is this person, this is this person, this is this person, and this is you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just always like trying to push shit upwards, you know, versus the phrase like shit runs downward. Yes. And like there was nothing that like, how do we change it? How do we? She, she They mentioned very, b- very briefly about how did they phrase it? Disrupting a chain. I absolutely am with the idea, but then there was no follow up to the well, idea. You can disrupt the change by just being defiant exactly. and just saying, no, and I'm not doing this yeah. and like using excuses for it. But that's not constructive. Yeah, that's equally as counterproductive is, yes. as saying nothing and being exactly. passive. So I wish so, there was more you know, insight on that. I wish there was too. I wish there was too. And I think in terms of, and I'm, I'm going to let some time pass before I, I get back into this because I want to make sure that I'm not making this sort of decision based on my clear residual frustration. I was almost getting to the point as this conference was going on, just thinking anything I offer from here on out, I'm not even going to offer CEUs for it. I'm getting really tired of people only willing to have conversations if they get some sort of credit. It's wildly, unbelievably boring to try to talk to anybody whose only knowledge is sourced from a passive CEU that they have paid attention to while they were cooking dinner. And I get it. I love to read and I love to learn. And those have always been two things that I enjoy. Like those are actually my hobbies and my passions and my professional career. So in that regard, I'm quite lucky, but I just, I still can't get over the fact that we are professionals. And the only time we're willing to learn anything is if we could count it towards our CEUs. 
That's just the way of life. I just know? how sad is that? Okay, it's sad, <laughs> but you know what? You know, you, you don't. You don't want to learn about how to communicate with people, even though you spend 97% of your time complaining about a lack of communication, but yet the only thing you're willing to do to remedy that is, oh, there's no CEU credit for this? Well, then I'm not taking it. I don't want to associate with people who will only learn if they're getting something for it. Wow. Okay. Um, Because I'm not saying you need to get a master's degree or anything. I'm saying... There is always going to be a lack of communication. And I know that's kind of a contradiction in terms because it's not just necessarily being able to communicate, but it's also like you're not listening to anything that I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you can provide it and you can, you know... um, say what you need to say and somebody gets credit for it, whether they, what, you know, whether they gather anything from what you have to say during your conversation, that's on them. Like you and I have had plenty of conversations and a lot of them, I would say 95% are very constructive and we get things out of it. Yeah. But quite frankly, 5% of what you say I have no idea what the hell you're saying, and I have to. And that's normal. I'm not saying. So I'm not saying that as your CEO. Yes, I'm not saying that 100% of interactions and 100% of what we do needs to be some, you know, I guess, uh, willing attempt towards a teaching opportunity. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm also not saying that nobody should get credit ever for the work they put forward. I guess what I am saying is I just quite a few people came up to me and said, Oh, I loved what you talked about with communication. I literally have never thought about that. I didn't even know it was a thing. And I just communicating. Yes. Like communicative tactics, conflict resolution, you're shaking your head. And that's what I'm getting at is when we only do things that were put out in research or that you get CEUs for, or that CEU uh, libraries give you credit for. Those tend to be so niche and hyper-focused that they have minimal application for any single practitioner. I I just, there needs to, and this is where I start thinking about this, and I'm like, you know what, I just, I I give up. I, I really think that, our field has done so much damage to itself and its reputation and its credibility. I think the only way out of this is again, if multiple people are willing to start something new because there is no reforming and changing what already is, especially at the rate at the lightning fast rate of how many people young people are getting certified and just thrown into these positions. Yeah, I mean, all right, so I was there, um, obviously, but just meeting some of your followers, your supporters, and those that are not a fan of you, um, what I saw a lot of, and this has nothing to do with the field that you're referring to. Mm-hmm. This has everything to do with common courtesy. This has everything to do with how you interact with your same, um, with humans. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. So I've met a lot of people, this, well, not a lot, several people. Yeah. that follow you that you've only met through the internet and they came up to you and they were like, Oh my God, Kayla, it's so nice to meet you. And they know that you're married to me uh-huh. and they didn't even want to introduce themselves. There was a lot of back turning. That was strange. It was like, and I, I witnessed that. I mean, I like my feelings weren't hurt, but believe me, the no, way that no was raised, no, 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 like there is no manners. Like, Holy shit. Yes. I had to introduce myself. And I'm not saying that you didn't try to introduce me, but like there were plenty of times where these professionals would come up and then just not, you know, common courtesy. Hi, you know, I'm so-and-so. It's nice to meet you. Oh, I'm so-and-so. Like 
I had to do that. And I'm not even yeah, at that level. And I think that's a downfall of again. And, and to go off of what you said, has field. nothing to do with the field. It's the tech. We are so obsessed with making things faster and optimizing things and automating things. People don't know how to talk to people in person anymore. The awkwardness, the way people either make strange eye contact or none at all, the way that they talk, their tone of voice, oh. like holding doors open, not even saying goodbye before they just randomly get up and leave a or, room. It is so uncomfortable even, and it blows my mind. Yeah, I <laughs> held the door open for at least 15 people yes. in, this, in this weekend mm -hmm. and they walked through. Said nothing. Nothing. Didn't and even you know look what? at it's you. It's not that I'm keeping track, but like, that's just me. I, and I said, like, I gave up my seat. No, 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 sit down. Like, my mom would kill me if yes. I did not get up because mm -hmm. you can stand. Somebody else needs to sit. And yes, that is a gender thing. Like, you need a woman sits before you, Dylan. Okay, fine. That's how I was raised. So awkward. And it was, there was no, no acknowledgement. Like, oh, thank you. Yeah, thank And I'm like, wow. But you keep bringing it back to the field. I'm like, no, there is so much like that is that person that's going out and trying to, uh, I guess, um, convince a parent or a school that this is the behavior that needs to be changed. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm like, you don't even know how to behave yourself. Yes. Which is Does what we talk. Sense? Absolutely. We okay. talk about it so frequently. I feel like <laughs> this will never happen ever, <clears throat> but a girl can dream. I'm choking on my own spit now. <clears throat> I would love, cause we're about to get into this, our plans together, what we're oh, doing. Oh shit! Yes. It's very exciting, but I'll use this as a way to launch what we're about to say. I would love to see an experiment where the entire field of behavior analysis is forced to do an introspective self-behavioral assessment for an entire year, and then they have to present it to a panel, and only then will they be permitted to work with clients. <laughs> I, I really think that level of self-analysis needs to be encouraged for any field now, especially to ever be successful again, because it's very easy now to just completely sidestep any of our own errors and shortcomings because we get stuff like this. Everyone's mistakes are put on blast on social media. And all you have to do is bandwagon fan onto the next best thing or the next best piece of rage bait. And you're socially good to go. And nobody questions you either. There's no consequences for acting like a fucking animal. Well, I think animals are going to be very upset that you use the term animal. Is that animalist, do you think? I think it... Speciesist? No, it's animalism. Animalism? Yeah. Animalist? There's an ism in there you know somewhere. What? There's, we have five. Let's ask. Hey, Smoke, what do you think? Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. Okay. Yeah, see, because there's better things to worry about. <laughs> Speaking of better things to worry about. Now, I think a lot of people ask me if I was leaving the field. I certainly am separating and turning my back on a lot of the uh, social nonsense. media nonsense back and forth. I am definitely cutting ties with pretty much anything regarding people who treat autism, because I think that sector of behavior analysis is so far gone. I have no hope left in it in terms of what type of behavior is allowed, what type of incompetence is allowed to just flagrantly parade around as if it's doing something. So what you and me are piloting <clears throat> is something that we're very proud of having to do with overall health and wellness and getting people back with in, into their kind of more ancient primal roots using Dylan's expertise with nutrition and fitness and health and my background in clinical psych and uh, kind of more the habits side of behavior analysis. And we really kind of want to go for the jugular in terms of hitting up schools, hitting up institutions, families, and helping them build a rebuild a foundation 
of behaviors that mimic what life was like before technology took over everything. That being said, I am excited to be a part of this. Finally, we are actually going to be able to start working and collaborating together once again. Um, <laughs> But I am going to disagree with going for the jugular mm -hmm. because you mentioned foundation mm -hmm. and there has to be a foundation. And True. when you look at the body, mm -hmm. the foundation starts at your feet. Remember when you told me that when yes. I was having so many knee and back it's, issues? It starts with your feet, literally your feet. Think about how your digestive system your nervous system, if you're skewed, if you're leaning, if mm -hmm. you're putting weight on a certain side of your body, like over decades, we're not talking about like when you're six months old, we're talking when you're 50, when you're 30, all of these things uh, will affect how you, your alignment, your basic alignment. Mm -hmm. And I use this example real quick. Remember the little blocks that we had as children? Like there's like a one and an A and then yes. there's, okay. And so if you start um, putting them on top of each other, if one goes to the right, you got to off, you got to put the offset other one. To, the next offset one. it, yep. offset it. And so think, it, look at your spine mm -hmm. and it starts from the feet. So I'm going to leave it at that because this goes into my fucking jam. Yes. So Dylan, I need to just tell people this. So- there have been, a, Dylan, for those that don't know, I'm sure there aren't many of you left by now, but just in case there are new listeners, <laughs> Dylan is 20 years older than me. So he 19. has 19 years, 19 years older than me. He has shared things with me where the time that he shares it, I roll my eyes and scoff at it because I don't want to hear it. And then I come to find out whether it's weeks or months later, I will, it will usually hit me when Dylan's not home and I will out loud say to myself, fucking Dylan told me that this would happen or Dylan was right. One of the things that he told me that I just didn't take seriously, the many times he pointed it out were, Kayla, I think all of your knee and back issues are coming from your feet. And I hate my feet. They're ugly and gross. And not gross. I think that they are. And so They're I just, just I just ignored, <laughs> I just ignored everything Dylan said. And finally, Dylan showed me how to take a lacrosse ball and dig it into the plantar fascia on the bottom of my foot, digging around the shin. He introduced me to Kelly Starrett and Supple Leopard and kind of going upstream and my downstream yeah. from the problem. And within what was it, like three, four weeks, zero knee pain. I was able to completely rid myself of pain that I've had for probably over 20 years now. I mean, this started when I was a kid and especially when I got ACL surgery, when I was a kid that completely just exacerbated the problem. And there's all these little foundational things that people don't know about, especially as it relates to wellness and health. I think my jam is looking at the bigger societal influence of things like technology and how it affects our communication and how it negatively affects our mental health. I love Lenore Skenazy. So if you guys want to get a better idea of what me and Dylan are going for, go to letgrow.org. Lenore Skenazy has been called the world's worst mom because when her son was nine years old, she let him ride the subway in New York by himself. And since then she made, you know, all of the, the biggest news outlets and the, the, the media interviews on TV. This was about 15 years ago and she started a nonprofit and she goes to schools and families all over the country teaches people. You do not need to make your kids fragile. Stop this whole culture of safetyism your five-year-old can learn how to cut food with a knife. They're not going to die. Your child is allowed to walk half a mile down the street to the park with their friends. And there's another company called Wait Till the Eighth when they're trying to get parents and school administration on board with eradicating all technology in schools until at least eighth grade. I say bring back the 70s and 80s. Right yes. Now. So basically, me and Dylan are trying to, to get back into a little bit of nostalgia. Uh, we, now I'm getting a little nerdy, so I'll keep it short. <laughs> right. Our genes and our DNA and oh, our brains yeah. 
are still functioning as if they're primal ancient brains. So our brains and our genes, they don't know what a phone is. Our genes and our DNA can't recognize what a computer or a MacBook or a Yeti microphone is. So it's built to behave as if we were hunters and gatherers, but it doesn't evolve with technology. So our primal brains are like, what the actual hell is going on? We don't know how to handle what we're inundated with. We're not designed to handle this much information. I hate, despise the terms sensory overload and overstimulation. But for lack of a better phrase, we are so freaking overly stimulated. I don't know what else to say. No. So I, <laughs> in our recent uh, new endeavor, thoughts of this new endeavor, um, I would encourage anyone that's interested, go find your blood type, find it out. Mm-hmm. And there's some something um, that's really interesting to consider regarding your own wellness not necessarily weight loss or strength, but find it out. Find out what your blood type is. Um, there's a lot of information that is going to be regurgitated through this microphone. Yeah. Might and have to clean it off every we, 15 minutes or something. I don't know. We, uh, my biggest thing is I, I really think, and I used to think Montessori schools were only for the rich. They were bougie. They were fluffy. This was my preconceived idea and bias about them before I went to go consult in one. And in consulting in this school, the way that they set things up is just, this is how schools should be for kids. These kids, they dig in the ground. They have these kids carrying these buckets of water they out to chicken coops. They look for bugs. They have dirt under their nails. I I had a three-year-old client that peeled his own carrots and cut them into pieces and fed himself and cleared the table, washed all of his own dishes and was able to turn on a dishwasher. This all took place at Montessori. These kids are so unbelievably independent and resilient, but we're teaching them that they can't possibly do anything themselves. I heard a really interesting phrase that I was talking to Meryl about this morning. Let me find it. It is called problem creep. The fewer problems we experience, the less satisfied we tend to feel. We then lower our threshold for what we consider to be a problem. In other words, this is first world problems. And we do this with kids, especially autistic kids all the time. We create problems when there aren't any. Because for some reason, it makes us feel better that we're doing something. But in doing so, that usually requires a downloading of an app. Oh, your calming app isn't working? Here's another app to block you from your calming app just in case that app doesn't work. Your workflow isn't working. Everything. I don't trust any system that tells you that downloading another app (laughs) is the best way to achieve mental wellness or physical wellness. I don't either. I think all of these tactics, and this is more your realm, all these tactics where we trust that our Apple watch is accurate in terms of steps and calories burned, that we rely on something like that so heavily to tell us what to do next. I think all of these things kind of further compound the issues we want to so discuss. you brought up the Apple Watch. I do have one. Yeah, we both do. Yeah. And I, when I go for a walk or, you know, when I'm working out, when I can wear it when I'm working out because, you know, the certain movements that, that I do, I can't. Mm-hmm. But I use it for time. Mm-hmm. And I did for a while. Um, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, like, yeah, I did my 10,000 steps. Like, how do you know you did 10,000 steps? Oh, well, my my watch like take, you know, keeps track of it. I did this test, Mm -hmm. you know, and I did count. I don't know if I told, I know, I think I did. 
It's bullshit. Your it's Apple Watch bullshit. is not keeping yep. track of your steps. It's also not keeping track of the calories because there's no way for a tiny little device on no. your wrist to know how many calories if your body you burns. If you walk <laughs> in a straight linear line and you want to know how far you're going, that's probably accurate because, you know, yeah. Big Brother is always watching. So if you have, but when you stop and uh-huh. you get up and you sit down, and you walk, you know, to the bathroom, like it's bullshit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's propaganda. So yes. count your steps, you know, like keep tallies, keep your own fucking data, you BCBAs, the- <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And then, and do your own graphs. Yes. So a big part of what I want to do, I'm looking more at the habits side yeah. of this with people, which I'm so, so excited about. It's easy. It's no nonsense. You won't see any seven page stupid ass behavior plans I'm writing. <laughs> What a big component of what we want to do is teach people how to do behavioral experiments on themselves. This is called the Hawthorne effect. What changes is what you measure. And what you measure is the thing that you tend to want to put more stock and energy into. And I'm not talking about these. Please rid your mind of ABC data graphs and line graphs and scatter plots. I'm talking about becoming more in touch and aware of the things that you do and the way that you feel and the connection between the two. Change comes from within. Yes. Change comes from within. So we will probably need some beta testers. So if you guys are interested in willing in changing some either bad habit in your life or increasing upon a good one, or you simply want to hit us up for any idea. I love this as it relates to public speaking and a fear of speaking. So if you want to reach out to me to see what I might suggest for something like that, please email me at the angry behavior analyst at gmail.com. Dylan, any remaining thoughts before we look, cut people loose? I will see you on the other side. He will see you on the other side with that. Everyone, we will see you all next week. <laughs> This show was produced by Pretty Easy Podcasts and made possible by listeners like you. If you ever thought of doing your own podcast, please visit prettyeasypodcasts.com.